It's the Atop the Pitbox podcast with your hosts, Zach and Josh. Good evening, fantasy NASCAR race fans. Welcome to the Atop the Pitbox podcast presented by ParadiseExecutiveProperties.com, your Lake of the Ozark vacation experts. On this episode, we are going to talk about last weekend's race at Talladega and look ahead to this weekend's race at Dover. I have Josh Nort with me as usual. How was working from home today, boys? That's the question you got for us, Zach? That's, that is. <laughs> All the questions that you could what ask. What do you want me to ask, dude? I don't know what to ask. Ask, ask about golf or the weekend. Like, If I answer or- how was working from home, I'm going to get in trouble with my boss. <laughs> yeah. Okay, here we go. Here we go. I have Josh Nort with me as usual. How was golf league tonight, Josh? Let's let's start with Norton. How how was golf league, Norton? Really? That's your question, Zach? <laughs> I, I've got golf clubs for sale. Wait, you played tonight? I did. And I have golf I, clubs for sale. I didn't know you were playing tonight. So let me ask that again. I have Josh and Norton with me as usual. How was your golf league night, boys? The third time we'll get this. <laughs> Nort, you want to answer this first? <laughs> Hurry up. This is uh, I, I have golf. No. <laughs> so what you said, the first, the first, the second go around was fine. We're just going to keep this in. And golf league was great. And uh, Zach, next week, come with some better questions. <laughs> come with a better question next week, Zach. So. Sorry, I laid down. Uh, so first off, we want to thank everybody for listening to the podcast. We truly appreciate you tuning in each week. If you do enjoy the show, please let your friends know and help us grow the podcast. We have a question of the week. This one was sent in to us from Mama Falcon, who is Paige Peregrine. And she wants to know about overtime. NASCAR changed how these races finish a few years ago. I don't know the exact timeline, but overtime is essentially if there is uh, overtime is three laps to go in a race. So you have a green flag, you have your white flag, you have your checker flag. That's the three laps. If the race gets to the white flag without a caution, the next flag ends it, whether it's a ca- whether it's a caution flag, whether it's a checker flag. If, as we saw at Talladega this past weekend, you're in overtime, there's a wreck before the white flag, then you do overtime again, and there is unlimited overtimes in NASCAR. So it is a way to make sure there is a racing finish, whereas in years past, there were races that were decided uh, not at the checkered flag. It was finished under caution. It just makes for a really uh, uneventful ending or, or anticlimactic finish. So that is the reason why NASCAR initiated this overtime rule to try to add more fun for us NASCAR fans uh, at the race or watching it on TV. Every week we talk about having guests onto our podcast and we have a special guest with us tonight and he is a team owner in the league 
and the recent winner of the 2023 Atop the Pit Box team name tournament that we had uh, this year on Twitter. His team name is Kicking the Tires, and you can find him on Twitter at JerryJordan underscore KTT. He is a NASCAR, NASCAR correspondent for various media outlets and editor of Kicking the Tires. So, Jerry, Jordan, thank you so much for being on the podcast, and uh, congratulations on your big win. Yeah, I, as I said on the tweet that followed up, thanks to all the Russian bots that, uh, that helped <laughs> me win, because I have no clue where those came from. Uh, you know, I mean, it was I was out there promoting it. So, but, but you were. all of a sudden, like, I got you know, a hundred, they got a hundred. I'm like, holy <laughs> crap. What the world, what the, where are these people coming from? So I guess our, you both and, of our uh, bases. you and Boo Carlisle kicking asphalt that, that vote count got up into the two hundreds. We're like, what, what what's <laughs> happening here? I don't know. And, and, and I like his, I like his name too. That was hard. Yeah. There are a lot of good ones. Yeah. That was, that was fun to, that was fun to see. So can you just start off with a little bit about who you are, what you do, and, and kind of how you got into NASCAR. So I had the opportunity to go race years and years and years ago. And like, when I say race, like I'm talking like when I was 16, uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, and I turned it down. I was late 80s. Uh, I turned it down because I didn't, I wasn't interested in racing. I was a photographer. I was editor of the school newspaper. But my dad, my grandfather, they raced, you know, local dirt track and stuff. Um, never really thought anything out, uh, about it. And then in 2001, uh, 2000, actually, my mom and my late sister, um, they came to me and said, hey, can you, uh, you know, get us some tickets to a NASCAR race or get us a credential? I'm like, what's NASCAR? You know, I mean, I knew what it was, but I'm like, why? And they're like, they're, they were huge fans. So I went and as the editor of a newspaper, I applied for credentials for uh, my mom and my sister um, and myself at Texas Motor Speedway. And to know, just so I would know something about NASCAR, I went to a sim, uh, I raced in a NASCAR sim over at, at one of the casinos and contests they were doing for the media ahead of out and back when they did stuff for media ahead of races and things like that. They don't do that anymore. Uh, or not as much. So I went and, you know, tried to learn a little bit at it, studied it. I went to the race. I fell in love with it. I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool. Now me and the business mind, uh, that I am, I've tried to figure out um how can i make money with this well my mom was a photographer my sister was a photographer both of them and then i was a writer so i'm like i'll just start writing a column every week and when there's a race at texas i'll just bring them along and you know they can shoot for me and then i'll uh, i'll just write the articles well i'm a photographer too so once they they decided they didn't want to be working at the track uh so they went and sat in their assigned seats after you know they had bought tickets and stuff but i kept doing it um and it kind of became a passion of mine. It was something that my, my sister died about 10 years later. Um, but she and I were, this was the one thing that kind of brought us together. Um, and she saw the, the transition of me just going to a race, starting a column in the newspaper that I was the editor of. And then it went to a blog site and a radio show and then to the website. And, you know, now I do. I mean, we're core media. I've been in the sport for, for 22 years and uh, have 13 reporters and uh, writers, photographers, everything that, uh, you know, going to the track every week. We had three people at Talladega this past weekend. So that's the journey. Uh, and I left the newspaper and I do this full time. That's an awesome story. I, I think you can call that the American dream. 
yeah, I'd like to be making more money. I made more money at the newspaper than I do now. <laughs> but having know, more fun though now, right? I have loads less stress. So I was an <laughs> yeah. I was an investigative reporter. Um, I've won hundreds of awards for investigative reporting across the country, locally, statewide as well. Um, so I wrote stories that put mayors and superintendents of school districts and port commissioners, all of those people went to prison. So there's a lot less stress covering NASCAR, but every once in a while you get, you know, a DC solar story or a Patricia Driscoll story, or, uh, you know, there, there's some big stories out there. You get to break the electric car story like we did last year. Um, so, so you, you get to do those, those fun, fun in depth investigative stories. And that's what I, that's what I'm really good at. I, I can't tell you about ride heights and setups. That's not my thing. The current state of NASCAR is a pretty big hot topic right now in, in the media and everything you read. So uh, do you have any concerns with the on-track product that we are seeing today, especially on short tracks? If I say no, then I'm going to get roasted because I'm going to be, you know, you're just pandering to NASCAR. But the <laughs> truth is, okay, they're going to figure it out. It's not like they're stupid people. Okay. NASCAR does not want NASCAR to fail. I read, you know, our fans in this sport worry more about attendance and viewership and, um, you know, who's running the show or what rules going to be, what the, you know, what the ride height is. Uh, they worry more, worry more about stuff like that than they do worry about drivers and fandom and things that we saw back in the day. And it's all because of social media where they can complain and, and make their voice heard and they feel more part of the sport and they feel like they're experts. But the truth is I love the fans, but there's a lot of fans out there that, that hurt this sport and they're a very vocal group. And they say things like, Oh, the racing's horrible. Well, you know what? Go back to when the racing was really old school, when Richard Petty won like by four laps or, you know, Lee Petty won by three laps, or uh, I mean, there was a, a, a fatality at. We're going to Darlington in a couple weeks. There was a fatality at Darlington, and eventually the, the winner of that race ended up winning like by six laps. So, what's bad racing? What's bad product? You you can't just look at it in in your bubble right now because our society has become a I want it now. I want it everything so mm -hmm. so so instant gratification. This stuff takes time. I don't want to see drivers hurt. Okay. Kurt Busch is a very good personal friend of mine. He's out of a race car. Okay. And I don't like that. Uh, Alex Bowman was out of a race car last year because he got hurt. Kevin Harvick talking about how bad it hurts when he hit, hits the wall. We've got to fix those problems. The stuff on the track, let the drivers race and know that they can, if they hit each other, it won't hurt them. They won't get, you know, a concussion or whatever uh, and, and go forward. Do I think that we're in a situation where we need some, we need something? Absolutely. We need to do something to make it better. But I think that everyone is working as a group and I'm not talking about consensus or, or, or whatever, you know, whatever that other word is that they've been, you know, talking about, you know, everybody, you know, getting together. I'm talking about, they're just, they're trying to find ways to make better pack racing, better passing, but it's not it's not as easy as everybody thinks and I'm not smart enough to do it. And I dare say anybody on this, on this panel's smart enough to do it, but with everyone and all the engineers on these teams, I think we'll get there. How long do you think that the fans give that before they 
turn their back on the on the product? So I think it's a lot longer than most people anticipate, because here's the situation. Most people just want to complain. OK, look, I mean, I have I have family members that have lots of money, are blessed, and they complain just to complain because someone is listening to them. And, you know, and there's other fans out there that are listening to these people that complain a lot. Look through my timeline. You know, I mean, people complain about Bubba Wallace. They complain because, uh, you know, the racing. They complain about the races being too long or being too short or people people like to have a voice and make and it makes them feel like they're being heard and making a difference when in reality nothing anybody says matters really and truly except for the tv people because the tv the the network tv people are the ones that and nascar as a whole that run the show because it's all about the millions and millions of dollars that nascar gets paid every single week to have people there watching the race and those numbers aren't going down. They're 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 either holding steady or going up. And I think it gets I think it gets better. This car has put on some good racing at different times, and I think they're trying to fix that. I just want it to be a little bit safer. That wreck with Priest and Larson this past weekend, I have never seen a roll cage that destroyed uh, as we saw last weekend. So uh, to your point, I hope NASCAR does focus on the safety aspect first and then once they get that resolved or figured out then they can start you know worrying about the other aspects of the race well zach let's look at something we've never seen that before in the past we've heard about how hard how 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 rigid the cars are and you know stiff i have a honda civic and i know that there are crush zones in that car i'm not saying that the side impact door uh railing should be should be crush crush zones however the way that it went up um, the way that it gave absorbed the, a lot of impact and Larson walked away and yep. he was fine. Um, you know, so had it happened on the driver's side, I don't know what that have done, but I do know that they're sitting more into the center of the car. So I don't even think I, I, I tried to send somebody over to get a photo of the car, but they had loaded it all up and, and gotten it out of there before, uh, before anybody could really get a, get a shot of it from my team. Um, but I, I think that that's something that NASCAR is going to look at. Hey, what happened there? We're curious. How did that happen? Was mm -hmm. this designed to go that way? There's a lot of stuff that's designed to break, to save impact on the driver. And, and I'm wondering, and I'll, I'll ask some NASCAR people when I see them tomorrow, uh, if that's one of those areas or if that was just a fluke, maybe a well broke, maybe, you know, I mean, that was a hell of a hit. It was. Yeah, it was. The view from Priest's car that they showed was... <laughs> it 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 really did it justice as far as putting you in that position and and seeing that hit because that was that was pretty scary. Yeah, but is it it's, it's scary for us? It's scary for the four of us. Yeah. Okay. But is it Larson didn't and didn't seem shook up. Priest didn't seem that shook up. Um, these guys risk this. We got to remember at the end of the day, we're still risking lives to put on a show of cars going remember it was it used to be nascar death defying speed and you know drivers <laughs> pushing their cars to the edge of the limits of humanity and whatever you know it's it's still dangerous racing at 200 miles an hour is still dangerous so we got to remember that 
Yeah, that's a good yeah, point. Yeah, yep, that is a very good point. Uh, what is your favorite race memory, whether that's in person or on TV? You know, that's the one question that I really didn't uh, didn't didn't think about when y'all said. That. <laughs> um, you know, because Kurt's a friend of mine, um, I think seeing him win the Daytona 500 was a really cool race memory. Um, but seeing Ryan Newman two days after that crash at Daytona mm-hmm. is probably the greatest memory I have of racing because I was there. I have a hundred photos. I, I, shooting a mirrorless camera it shoots 12 frames a second and i'm going you know all the way down the front stretch so i have over 100 photos of him in the air flipping everything sliding upside down and to know that two days later he walked away with his two little girls you know side by you know right by his side and he was fine that's a pretty strong memory for me and that's 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 what i i would probably have to put up there as the greatest memory i have uh regarding regarding that we go back to that memory a lot because uh, we, we've got a Daytona 500 party every year that we go to. And Josh was relatively new into NASCAR. And when that wreck happened, we were, it was a rain delay race, right? We were, we were mm-hmm. watching it late at night and we're all texting each other. And we're like, Josh was like, is this normal? Like, is this wreck? Okay. And we're like, I don't think so. This is terrifying. And like you said, for him to walk out two days later with his daughter was just, and then came back and raced. It, it, incredible. Yeah. And and just uh, an aside, he was, I had done a story on Ryan earlier that week. My wife works for a, a company called Coke, the same Coke that uh, she works for a subsidiary of Coke. So the same Coke that was on his car that weekend, uh, I had done a story just be- to tie in the, the company and that one-off sponsorship and things like that. So I, I was very interested in this car throughout the weekend. So, but, but uh, there's one other race that I have a, strong memory of and that's uh when Juan Pablo Montoya hit a jet dryer (laughs) (laughs) that was wild it's hard to forget yeah so so that's probably those are probably the the two or three that you know Kurt Ryan and Montoya are the uh ironically all of those happened at Daytona yeah were you there for all of them I was there yes awesome yeah we went to our first Daytona this year me and Justin went down and uh and watched our first first 500 this year and it was it was awesome were y'all media or did y'all uh were y'all in the stands we just were in the stands okay we did, well, got, got down on up. the infield a little bit and then uh went back up to our seats you need to come down as the media and hang out with us that's the plan next year okay we'll be here <laughs> i'll reach out to you for fall bristol i just booked my tickets so I'm not sure they, they want me back at Bristol, so I'm not sure, uh, but I don't know what my schedule is right now. Like I said, I have been, uh, I, I kind of have taken a little bit of a break. Uh, I didn't go to Dega this past week. Here's the thing during COVID, I went to almost all the races because NASCAR was only letting certain people go. Um, so now I have all these people that did it right for us and stuff. I want them to be able to go to the races and, and plus it gives me a chance to catch up on a lot of stuff around, around the house and with my other business that I own. So, uh, and right now I'm trying to save money. I'm going to Lamont for the NASCAR garage 56 thing. So, you know, nice. that's not going to be a cheap, you know, yeah. uh, trip. 
Yeah. No, speaking of the the, uh, Daytona 500, that is my number one bucket list race to go to. So if and when we make that happen, we'll have to get in touch and uh, try to experience it uh, the best you can. Absolutely. Hey, be, you know, look me up. I'll be there for sure. I'm always at the Daytona 500, but uh, we have a group of us that go out to dinner and hang out and we're there for like, you know, nine, eight or nine days. And uh, we used to be there for 16 days. I used oh. to rent a house on the beach and we'd have, you know, 10, 12 people all stay in this big one, you know, this big condo type thing. And, but now, uh, now we've kind of scaled it back with the, uh, the shorter schedule, which I actually like and saves a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. <laughs> um you mentioned kurt bush uh probably is a friend he's probably one of your favorite drivers do you have a current driver that you really enjoy watching and root for or uh somebody that you don't like well another friend of mine is tony stewart and uh tony and i play pool together and stuff away from the track Uh ironically tony and i rarely talk about uh about racing i mean we talk some but in right now it's more about NHRA stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, Tony and I play pool together. I, years and years ago, I played uh, uh, on a national tour all around the country playing professional pool back in the early to mid nineties. And uh, so, um, you know, if you ever want to play and you want to, do, you know, uh, you want to I know gamble, one guy that'll play. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> my ears worked up. <laughs> yeah. so, you said uh, pool and he uh, yeah like yeah, well, I'm, I'm happy i'm happy to play anybody for now you know, i am coming to daytona next year hell yeah uh there's a place <laughs> called there's a, there's a nice place i won't say where it's at because i don't want anybody to know where we go hang out but there's a nice place over there to uh go play pool and uh so we can do that when you get there but as far as drivers that i don't like man <sighs> Juan Pablo and I, Juan Pablo Montoya and I do not, did not get along. Uh, and it was, he's a nice guy. He really is. But he was kind of F1 full of himself. Um, <laughs> you know, he was from that F1 mindset. Mm-hmm. And he was sitting on a stack of tires one time. And I really needed him for a radio hit. I did Performance Racing Network. And I, I do Associated Press Radio, uh, for, you know, as well. Um, if you hear AP Radio, uh nascar broadcast um the the rap the raps at the uh you know that run the day after the race that's me i do those every week and cool. uh i needed him for a prn deal that uh that mark garrow i was mark garrow's producer for a while um and juan pablo said and like literally he's sitting over there on a stack of tires doing nothing he's just hanging out playing on his phone and watching the cars go by and i'm like dude can i get a quick one one hit with you so that we can you know i can wrap this this thing up that we need you need to talk to my pr person i was like really wow i'm like dude really he's like yeah i don't have time for you and that kind of pissed me off i'm like yeah fair enough i've been in this sport at that point like 14 15 years you know however long ago that was maybe 12 i don't remember exactly what year it was no that was it was definitely in like 16 16 17 so uh i forget when he left the sport but uh and you know what retired or whatever it was definitely around that time maybe it was 15 because i started off with prn doing some freelance stuff and that might have been when it was but but i uh, i will always remember that and and look i saw him later at, a, at an event totally chill hanging out how's it going maybe he was just having a bad day but uh but you know i i haven't really had a other than that a bad experience kevin harvick and i yeah, we'll trash talk each other a little bit. Kurt and I'll trash talk each other a little bit. Um, 
but most of the drivers are pretty cool if they know who you are you know uh if they it's an interesting perspective that you have because when we ask that question for us we're like well we're just judging them by on the track incidents and media interviews you know you you're knowing these guys face to face so it's kind of a cool perspective that you get we're judging people very superficial and and you get a, a better idea of who they are and yeah, because we're around them every when you're when you're mm-hmm. going to every single race like there was a period of time that i went to every single race for several years um in 17 and 18 the last 10 races of the year i drove and camped with a camper with fans in the infield at every single track for the final uh, 10 playoff races two years in a row um you know we were sponsored by shell and and uh, and goodyear and it was a, a great event to be able to hang out with all the fans so i met all these uh, you know, fans, and then the drivers would know that you were at every track, and they see you every week asking, you know, questions, and you know that's how you get a reputation in the sport. Of if you're there, these drivers know you're putting in the effort, and they realize, hey, this this isn't this isn't easy. And I'll t- I'll tell you what, during COVID, the drivers really realized that you know not having the media around kind of sucks. You know, no one's wanting to talk to them. No one's wanting to. You know, uh, you know, no one that we all wanted to talk to them, but we couldn't. Uh, we had these mm-hmm. stupid Zoom things all the time, and uh, we wanted to ask questions. But I, I get why we didn't. But you know, um, this is this sport. If if you're around it, people know you're around it. It's a it's it's a family. Even those that are of us that are dysfunctional uh, in the media center because <laughs> we don't all get along. Uh, trust me, we don't all get along. But <laughs> we don't put up with a bunch of crap either you know we we all do our jobs and and we 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 tend to we tend to watch out for each other even if we have a beef with somebody over something it's not really surprising to me because when we this last year we really were active on twitter and and messaging people about the league and trying to grow and we got so many responses of support and hey i can't do it but here's a couple of buddies of ours and you never know what you're really gonna experience when you put yourself out there like that and the nascar community as a whole was overwhelmingly supportive and positive and that so it doesn't really surprise me that that the drivers would be that way too and and that kind of uh level i'm in more leagues than i know what this this year and then i know even i i sometimes forget what rules are as y'all know (laughs) uh which rules are what um so yeah I, i i enjoy interacting with people and talking to the fans and uh there's a couple things that I don't put up with I don't put up with with racism and hate speech um and I I I will call you out I will you know and it it, there's no place for it uh what people don't realize you know you hear a lot I I use Bubba Wallace's name a while ago well we know why people don't like Bubba Wallace or at least we know why some of them don't but here's the thing about Bubba Wallace let me tell you how good of a person Bubba Wallace is when I did that campaign in 2017 and 2018 of camping with the fans and going to all that i had a driver appearance i had dri- tried to have driver appearances the only two drivers that ever really showed up that were were that said hey we will be there bubba wallace and ryan blaney okay they didn't have to do it okay i had garrett smithley i had ross chastain i had a couple other you know expanding drivers and things like that would come out to the camper and hang out and do barbecues and drink beer with fans Bubba Wallace and Ryan Blaney both showed up at Texas Motor Speedway for like 25 fans they tossed the football around they answered some questions 
Bubba Wallace didn't have to do that. Ryan Blaney didn't have to do that. And they will forever have my gratitude. Okay. So that's the type of people that they are. That's what I know of them. And, you know, so I, I don't tolerate, you know, hate speech and, and, and the like. I also hate clickbait. If you saw my tweet earlier today, do did. there's a, there's a website out there and, and, you know, they are nothing but clickbait and it's, it's annoying because they take good stories and things that we could think, and then they just try to twist it. And then they try to legitimize themselves and they suck. And, uh, you know, and I'm going to call them out every single time. They're not the only one. There's several like that. And they get a lot of money off of those clicks. And that's, that's just annoying because I'm sitting there. You guys are sitting here. We're all trying to make a living, trying to make extra money, whatever. And they're making up crap. And I just, I can't Mm -hmm. handle that. I agree 100%. And uh, we went to Bristol this past fall. And, and quite honestly, I was pretty shocked, you know, during driver intros, when Bubba's name got called, the number of boos from that crowd was pretty surprising to me. Um, and like you said, it seems like he's a really nice guy from everything that you see during rain delays, throwing the ball around uh, the stories uh, that you hear about him. So I thought that was pretty unfortunate. But like you said, it's just, um something that's out there and unfortunately um exists and hopefully uh we can get past that sooner than later i think it's the societal thing it's not it's not just nascar fans it's just again it goes back to some of the things i said about some people just love to complain and they and you know some people take low-hanging fruit and think they're being cool and it's easy to hide behind some moniker on twitter whereas they would never say that to your face you know and and I think a lot of people don't say stuff to me because, you know, I'll do my best to find out who they are and then I'll call them out and I'll, you know, uh, there's a, there's a female reporter in this sport that I admire greatly and her name's Kelly Crandall. I don't know if you know Kelly, but, uh, she is like my little sister and people target her because maybe they think she doesn't smile enough. Well, she smiles a lot. But maybe when they see her, she doesn't have anything to smile about. Or maybe she's focused on her work and doing her job. You know, there's a difference between being a fan of racing and being a fan at a track. You know, I'm a fan of racing, uh, but I also have to work. So I don't go and make myself a fanboy and and all giddy and, and, and stuff at, at the track. I'm there doing a job. It's, you know, Kelly does a hell of a job for Racer Magazine and all the other. She just wrote a, helped write a book. You know, that 75th anniversary magazine, or uh, 75th anniversary NASCAR book, if y'all hadn't seen it, get it, because the 75th anniversary NASCAR book is amazing. And uh, and, and she's one of the authors of it, along with Mike Hembury and, and several others. So uh, you, fans and, and it, that complain, that say stuff like that, I think we have issues where it's just a societal thing, Zach, like you were when you when you, you mentioned it. It's that's that's the biggest problem. We got to change society as a whole. We're too animus towards one another. Uh, people get their feelings hurt. They get too pissed off too quickly. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of sensitive people out there. That's for sure. Uh, if you could have dinner with three people dead or alive, who would they be? Okay, so the way I remembered this show tonight was because I was watching TV in the other room with my wife, and Drew Barrymore came on the TV. She's, like, doing the MTV Awards or something. And I'm like, so Drew Barrymore is one of the people that I – that's how I you – know, <laughs> she is one of the people that I, I want to have – I would love to have dinner with Drew Barrymore. That is – that would be just amazing. 
for me. And I've met, look, I was in investigative reporter. I've, I've been around all the support for a long time. I've met some very famous people. I've met Donald Trump. I've met, uh, you know, uh, uh, Bill Clinton. I've met Hillary Clinton. I've met, uh, I'm not a fan of their politics. I'm conservative, but, uh, you know, I've, I've met Supreme Court justices. I've met congressmen. I've met actors. Drew Barrymore is somebody uh, that I've never met. Um, I kept hoping, I kept telling NASCAR that, you know, you've got to get her to a track and it hasn't happened. <laughs> unfortunately uh but so so that's one of them um and i don't know why she just i've always thought she was cute more than anything um uh, you know I, I would i would like to sit down with red farmer nice okay because he was such a part of this sport and the things that he went through and and you know through his life and how he saw all of this stuff I would, I would like to see, I would like to, to be able to question, because would he realize what NASCAR would become today back then? You know, I mean, yeah, probably not, the, no, no chance. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's what, that would be cool. Um, let's see, who else could I, who else could I, could I think of? Um, it had to be somebody like off the wall. I mean. If we stayed in NASCAR, I would probably say Bill France Sr. Because I never got to meet him. Uh, you know, so that's uh that that would be that would be one. If if that'd be my third one as far as the NASCAR related. Um so yeah, there's my three. So I'm gonna I'm gonna add on to this and maybe flip the question a little bit, but uh you've built relationships with some of the drivers out there right now and we've talked a little bit about those that are easy to approach and and uh, those that you haven't had opportunities to speak with as much is there any driver right now that's active that you would like to have uh maybe a better relationship with or a, a really good interview with um I, yeah i don't know i want to go back to one thing real quick you know, red farmer's still around but yep. you know and, and i i but you, the reason I want to ask him the questions, that, uh, even though he's pretty sharp, I think there's a lot that he's he he's kind of forgotten. And you know, we we've done some some good interviews with you know did when he when he did the Hall of Fame, um, but I I I just think if I asked him back in his day, that's what I'm talking about. Not not today. I'm, I want to go back yeah. to in his in his race day not not now so let me just because people are going to say when they watch this going to say oh you, you know he's still alive you can call him up i know that that's that, but i want to talk about when he was when he was really in his in his heyday that's like with with bill france senior the same the same thing um drivers that i would want to have a better relationship with i don't think i have a bad relationship with anybody right now uh i think they'll all take my questions no Juan Pablo sitting on tires that don't want to no, talk to you? No, not really. I mean, uh, it, no, it's it's kind of like everybody will, you know, I mean, Kyle's totally cool to talk to. Here's the thing. People see drivers like, you know, Kyle does stuff at, at Charlotte Motor Speedway, uh, you know, and he drops the mic and I'm only here because I'm, you know, we don't want to get fined or whatever. But away from that, <laughs> Away from that, he's really a cool dude, and what he does for fans is pretty amazing. And I think, mm -hmm. as I think, the pressure of racing is so great that you've got to remember 
if you came into my office and you were asking me what were probably stupid questions in some aspects, because they do get asked stupid questions. I mean, how many times can you ask a guy, well, where do you go to the bathroom when you're in the car? Okay. We just pull over and go to the porta potty, you know, but I've heard that question 50 to a hundred times in this sport over the past 22 years. But so, and all the drivers have heard it. So, you know, you got to think about, I would get kind of annoyed if I were really busy and really working on a project and you're in my office chirping in my ear and, you know, that's their office. That track is like them going to their office. And, you know, the only thing that bugs me is when they don't sign kids autographs. They'll walk by 50 adults with, a, with 17 cars on a, on a, you know, platform here, sign, 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 sign. All that crap's going on eBay or, or, Facebook marketplace or wherever. Okay. You see a kid sign their stuff. You know, yep. that's, that's what I would like drivers to do. And they're very good about it. But, you know, unless they're just in a, in a huge rush, they're very good about it. Um, I would like to have a little bit better relationship with chase. Uh, but I have a good relationship with chase. He and I have talked about stuff in the past and he's a really a good person to get to know. Uh, but you got to remember where he came from, you know, his dad didn't talk to the media a lot. And, and you, you know, he's so popular that people, uh, the, you know, it's easy to take what someone says out of context. Who do you trust in the media? I don't blame drivers and as, as a whole, uh, you know, for being leery of talking to someone, you know, uh, because you don't know what, you don't know who's going to be the next clickbait journalist. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. we've gone from, we have a lot of people in the media center that are, that aren't seasoned professional journalists, okay? That's not taken away from them, okay? I mean, you guys are not seasoned professional journalists, but y'all y'all have a decorum. There's some people that just go around and get autographs and then they get their credentials pulled. And I know because I've turned them in, okay? <laughs> I turned someone in for getting autographs two races in a row and they finally got their, their, their credential pulled and, because you can't do that. Uh, so when drivers see that, it's a very small garage, okay? It's a, you know, there's 40 drivers out there in the Cup Series, 44 in the Xfinity Series, and whatever in the, you know, 32 in the, you know, real ones in the in the Truck Series, and people fill in that come in from week to week. So you got under, what, under 125 real drivers in the, across the, all three series in the sport? That's a small number. So they mm-hmm. see you, they know who you are, and they see you doing stupid stuff. They're not going to trust you. They're not going to talk to you. So, you know, as, and the journalists, we have to be better at doing our jobs as well and making sure that we're not doing stupid stuff because we still do stupid stuff. And I've been in this sport for 22 years. <laughs> do you think that we're seeing or we're starting to see a different kind of Chase Elliott? Uh, you know, you said mentioned before he was he's normally kind of reserved and, you know, the injury happened. He he did a, a came on the one race for for most of the the race was there you know given his analysis, um, and you know they pushed him when he came back, blasting him all over social media, and then he was doing you know interviews before the race and and just his demeanor seems a little bit different to me. I didn't know if you view that the way this or view it the same way. I think it's probably humbling to him a little bit. I mean, you know, going snowboarding and breaking your leg and. <laughs> being as serious as it was um i mean he's back in a car people recover okay that's you know we're not 
but we're not in bubble wrap. You can't put these drivers in bubble wrap. You can't say, well, you can never go do stuff. And because you literally could fall down outside walking down the sidewalk, you know, and, and, and hit your head and have a concussion. So I think that was humbling to him to some degree. Um, but I also know that Chase is, he realizes his place in the sport. He is the sport's most popular driver for a reason. Fans love him. He, he gives it his all. And, and that's the one thing. There's some drivers in the garage, I think, that don't give it their all anymore. Um, you know, maybe they're getting towards the, the end of their career. Um, or maybe they don't. And, and, or they give it all. They're all that they can because they don't have the equipment. Um, you know, I think Michael McDowell is a phenomenal driver. Uh, and Front Row Motorsports is one of my favorite teams in the garage. Um, but they're not front runners every week. They're getting there. They're getting a hell of a lot better. And, and I'm very happy about that. Uh, so I think, the, I think that frustrates drivers that know how good they are. Because McDowell's got a lot of experience that no one even gives him credit for. You know, Chase Elliott has a lot of experience that he doesn't get credit for. He knows how to drive a race car and he's won a championship. He'll win some more. Um, mm-hmm. But it could have been over like that. You know, what if you had hit his head and had a Kurt Busch situation? And I think that is humbling. And I think, you know, for Chase, um, you know, he's, he, is, he is an icon and, and a future Hall of Famer that we need in this sport now and in the future. So we do a, we pick a, a winner each week uh, and kind of a little mini contest between the three of us. And we tried to come up with a punishment for the loser and we had, we couldn't cut, decide on anything. So we decided that we were going to throw up all the suggestions that we got throughout the year onto a wheel. And then the, the loser would have to spin this wheel. So we want to give you the opportunity to add a punishment for the loser uh, on the wheel. Okay, so this may be a little bit long-winded, but I've seen this done locally with some with okay. some football leagues and, and things like that. And they make the person go to like a Waffle House where it's 24 yeah. hours. At, <laughs> and they have to stay there until they raise money for charity or the time runs out. And, you know, they, and they have to, have to like have a sign, <laughs> I lost our, you know, our league or, or whatever. And, and that's the punishment. The, the the public humiliation factor but the the the, the thing is you got to make it you know like get with uh get with some small charity of, of you know a reading program or something like that and make even a hundred bucks whatever it is but uh make it make it hurt a little bit uh you know where they can't <laughs> they can't just buy their way out of it you know they have right. to go stay there a minimum number of hours and uh and they'll have to order too. They'll have to. They'll have to buy something to stay at the Waffle House. But usually, the Waffle Houses—they're uh, good because they're twenty-four hours, and their managers are pretty cool. And you could see a cool fight because there's always fights at Waffle House. So, <laughs> I wish, I wish we could do this at a Waffle House because there's no Waffle Houses. We're in Omaha, Nebraska, so there's no Waffle Houses here. And we, when we go to, yeah, to the think- races, it's uh, <laughs> we have to go. We have to find a Waffle House. There's no Waffle I think if we weren't battling between Waffle House and IHOP, we'd probably already have an answer to our punishment. It, it'd be Waffle House all day. I'd lose on yeah. purpose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we yeah. need a Waffle House here. So, Do you have an IHOP there? We do. We do, we do have okay, an well, IHOP. Okay, well, you can it's... do it at IHOP. But you're not at, I don't know. It's Nebraska. So 
I don't know if you're if, if y'all are, are are y'all as wild at the IHOP as they are at the, at the Waffle House. <laughs> no, I don't no. think so. <laughs> Not quite. Okay. The Waffle House is a spe- is a unique place. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah. My hometown, <laughs> there's a it, it went national. Um, and and I'm there's one in Austin that happened later, but in Lumberton, Texas, if you Google it, Lumberton Waffle House fight. It was epic. And I'm going to so, Google that after the yeah. show. <laughs> so you can just sit in the corner, pay your penance for losing, and, and possibly see a, see a fight. I mean, it'd be it's fun. Free entertainment. That's right. That, that, Andrew, yeah. Andrew, do with some, you're, you're raising a couple hundred bucks for, for, for a charity program. I like, I like children's yeah, charities, Speedway children's charities, whatever. There you I go. like yeah. it. I like uh, it. All right. Well, we don't want to keep you too much, but we do want to just talk about your uh i'm yours i'm my wife went to bed i'm (laughs) fair enough (laughs) i have to be Um, on a plane in the morning the only thing i gotta do i'm flying to chicago uh for an event and uh for nascar and so that's uh that's that's about all that's going on for me so perfect so let's let's talk about your team um currently you're in 90th place hey that's Uh, not bad out of what like 207 people or something 207 you got it and 65 (laughs) points at Talladega last week, which was uh, pretty good compared to the average of of what we saw. So, um, your team is made up of Joy Logano, Danny Hamlin, Tyler Reddick, Kyle Busch, and Eric Jones. So, overall thoughts on your team going into into this week? When do I get to change? How does you can I, change I, it anytime, anytime, whenever you when, want, Jerry. But you can only change <laughs> once, right? Before yeah, the yep. All Star race. Okay, before yep. the All Star race, you can yep. all yep. so you can mix it all up. You get one swap. Yeah, you get swap. one swap. And you you got to just stay driver. under the eight. Oh, only one yeah. driver. Okay, only yep. one driver you can drop. Okay, yep. okay. So there's some strategy. There's some timing aspects to it. What happens after the All Star race? Then no you one can ride swap. with it. You yeah, ride you're stuck with what you got. Okay, so if I'm going to make a change, then I have to do it before the All Star race. Man, see, yours is the complicated league that I'm in because I, I know I, I wanted to switch a driver out a few weeks ago, and I'm like, nah, I don't want to do that because uh, that was the only one I got. So, well, you don't have Elliot on your team. That was that was the key to a lot of our swaps recently. I think yeah. we've got more swaps this year than we ever have. Yeah, I may uh, I may have to put him on the team. <laughs> and, and see what happens now everybody else had to take him off their team right that's true yeah. so that means that he won't be on their team later this year there's an interesting strategy too yeah yep. <laughs> go the and other I way i guarantee he will not be going snowboarding for the rest of the year probably <laughs> <laughs> a safe bet the doctor won't even allow it <laughs> yeah so i'm thinking i might have to switch up and take somebody off maybe i put chase in place of eric jones or somebody do you guys still stay under your your uh, eighty points? What is so my uh... so Chase is a twenty point driver, so nor can pull yeah, up what you're told. You have a tough time making that move because Logano that eighty dollars nineteen too. We'll talk, Jerry. We'll we'll, we'll get you something figured out. <laughs> There's a strategy here. I'm not. I, I mean, I'm not going to win this league, but the fact that I'm above halfway, I'm uh, first time in. I'm you know. You've got to make it to 50 second because that's where the playoff cutoff is. Yep. And then you make it in the playoffs, it resets, and you just, you best team go. So you get hot at the end. 
You can still win. I, I think I have a shot at making the playoffs. I'm not that far out. I'm four, you know, what, 38 points out of uh, 38 spots. Yeah. Uh, that's, and by the way, I don't math that well. But, you know, it's, <laughs> for some reason, these numbers are just popping in my head tonight. I think if you're in the top 100 right now, you're sitting okay. Sitting Make okay. it in the playoffs. It's just like NASCAR. Anybody's got a chance to win it. Yeah. Interesting. Points reset. Uh, well, I, I do enjoy the, the league. It's, you know, it's just I I know that, you know, it's it's going to take uh, a lot of a lot of work, a lot of help. Obviously, Talladega helped me out. But. Uh, yeah, you get a low score yeah, at those super speedways. That's uh, you're going to do better, a lot better than the most of the field. So, yep. Let me let me ask one quick question here. You said you're going to Chicago. It's my favorite city in America. Street races this year something new to NASCAR. What are your initial thoughts? What do you what do you think we're going to see? I think it's going to be an interesting race. I'm worried a little bit about um the chaos of this from the city, from people in the city, things like that. I don't want to see any, I don't want to jinx this, but look, they just had big riots in, you know, in Chicago a few weeks ago. And, uh, and my clickbait comment was about that because they tried to link it to a NASCAR thing. I had nothing to do with NASCAR, uh, just, you know, just stupid stuff, but I'm hoping that we can keep everything civil and just put on a good show for the fans and, and the people, there's going to be people there. Look, the, the, the tickets are selling and, you know, um, I'll know more tomorrow when I get to Chicago, but uh, I, I've got an interview with Julie Giese and uh, that's going to be a video interview that we're, we're, we're going to put up on YouTube later on. But I think, uh, I think it's going to be a good race. It's going to be an interesting show. The road course dynamic of it. I wish there were a few more, uh, I wish there were a few more turns and things like that. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it looks like basically two squares. Uh, so that's the only that's the only negative I see. I wish there was some chicanes and some things like that that were a little bit a little bit more dicey. But I guess you can only do so much with a street course. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the the course layout looks pretty sweet. I mean, it's right downtown. Uh, from a fan experience standpoint, the paddock and and the concerts at night and all that stuff. It looks like it's just going to be a really fun event. Uh, even if you're not a NASCAR fan, if you're just there going for the first time, I think it's going to be a really uh, fun fan experience. And like you said, I hope the race is, is pretty solid so that we can see more of these on the schedule. Well, see, I have like, I have four or five hotel rooms reserved and I have hotel rooms reserved right on the track. I have hotel rooms reserved away from the track a little ways and I have hotel rooms all the way out at the airport. And I'm trying to decide which hotel I want to stay at. And a lot of that's going to depend on budget at the time of the race, because <laughs> close to the track is $1,600. Oh. Um, a, 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 a couple blocks away is a $1,200. The airport is $230. <laughs> now let's think about this now. Okay. I'm not rich. Okay. So <laughs> Uh, but if I can get, I've got a couple of people that are going to, that are going to room with me. And, uh, so we may end up staying, we may be able to pull it off. We're, we're overlooking the track. Somebody said, why don't you just make your hotel room, the media center, and then you can have an aerial shot of the, of the track. So that there would be, you go. Go. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll see, but, uh, it's I, the I experience Jerry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, my visa card. Uh, gets a workout every every month. Trust me, I, I experience paying it. 
That's great. Um, I am I am going to Lamont too, so that's another. I'm, I'm, as I mentioned earlier, I'm saving money so I can go there because that trip's not going to be cheap either. So uh, I don't know why I said I would do it, but I think it'll be cool, and uh, yeah. so I'm going to go over there and and cover that, and uh, we should have we'll have some content from that, and I've picked up a couple of extra assignments as well to make it to make up for the you know, the, the, the expenses, but you know, look, you guys get in the sport. It is not cheap to do this. I'm, I'm telling you now, uh, you got to be committed. We will definitely be on the lookout for your Lamont information too, as well. Um, so tell our listeners a little bit about where they can find your content. Go ahead and give yourself a little plug here. Okay. So my personal contents at Jerry Jordan underscore KTT, the site is uh, kicking the tires.net and the Twitter account um, for the site is kicking the tires. K-I-C-K-N-T-H-E tires. The reason why there's a K-I-C-K-N and not I-N is because the jerkwad that has the uh, real kick in the tires account is sitting on it and won't sell it to me, use it or anything. He's, he's, look, he's barred. He's barred from using it for anything because I have a trademark on kicking the tires. So he's basically punishing me by not using it. But I was hoping Elon Musk would say, hey, he hasn't posted anything in 10 years. Let's, uh, Let's take it away from him. That hasn't happened yet. Um, I may have to make a trip to South Texas the next time they launch a rocket and you know see if I can convince <laughs> Elon. Uh, that was another that was another bucket list person that I wanted to talk to. By the way, if I could have dinner, I would like to talk to Elon Musk about some Twitter things that I have an idea for. Uh, I did tweet him and say that I would like to be the CEO of Twitter, um, but he didn't respond. So. <laughs> awesome. Didn't expect all those answers, did you? <laughs> <laughs> no, that was perfect. Awesome. Well, Jerry, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. We appreciate you uh, taking the time and uh, all the information that you provided us tonight. It's been a pleasure. Well, thank you very much. And I'll, I'll quote Jack Roush, how to become, you know, a rich, how to, how to make money in NASCAR, how to make a fortune, start with a bigger fortune. If you're going to make a million in NASCAR, start with two. <laughs> Very true. Good advice. <laughs> thank so y'all much, for Jerry. having me on, man. Thank y'all for having me on. I really, I really appreciate it. Look, I, I want to thank Seth and Justin and, 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 you know, Matt Corson and Christian Coley and Rachel Schuler and, and all the team, Summer Bedgood, Zach Catanzaretti, uh, all of our Cole, uh, Cole Cusimano, uh, all of our staff that we have uh, at, at Kicking the Tires, they're the ones that, honest to God, are the ones that, that make this thing happen. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's my name on the face of it, but it's really those guys behind the scenes, and I appreciate all them. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks for your perspective, it. Jerry. Yeah, we appreciate it. Thank you it. so much, Jerry. Thank you. Anytime. All right. Let's move on to the NASCAR news from last week, and we start with College Racing, who had their final appeal this past week in regards to the Luber penalty and or the Luber penalty that they received with Hendrick Motorsports. How did that turn out for him, Zach? In a surprise turn of events, NASCAR actually asked the one man final appeals board member to rescind the points penalty for college racing so that it mirrors the outcome of Hendrick Motorsports. The appeals officer agreed to do so. So Justin Haley and Colleg Racing get, gets their points back, but they still have the $100,000 fine and the crew chief suspension, which is now over based on how long this is drug out. So uh, in my time being a fan of NASCAR and actually following some of these appeals, I do not recall a time where NASCAR has 
basically stepped in and say, hey, we want you to do this. Uh, basically go against us and, and give them their points back. Uh, so I thought that was pretty stand up on NASCAR's part because uh, the entire situation between Hendrick Motorsports and Colleg Racing and the penalties and everything and how they were uh, different or could have ended up different was just a bad look. So I applaud NASCAR for for doing the right thing there. They get a lot of shit sometimes, but this was a this was a good move. Next up, we uh, move to your boy Austin Dillon, who uh, his car was sent to the R and D center after Martinsville. And did they find anything? Well, they did, Josh. And it's amazing <laughs> that they found what they found, and he still had a horrible race. <laughs> uh, but his car was taken to the R&D center at random. Again, random in quotation marks. Uh, NASCAR did find some illegal underwing mounting and assembly hardware. Uh, basically, for you new listeners out there, or just listeners who don't know, these new next-gen cars it's essentially one large bottom piece that goes underneath these cars now that almost encases everything in. And NASCAR found some hardware that they did not like uh, with the assembly of that. So uh, Austin Dillon was docked 60 points and five playoff points and crew chief Keith Roden uh, was fined $75,000 and suspended for two races. So Based on where Austin Dillon was in points and after this points penalty, uh, he too is in a pretty much a must-win situation, just like Chase Elliott, to try to make their way into the playoffs. Is this more uh, penalties than normal for on these car inspections this year versus previous years? It, it seems like NASCAR is really really going through these cars with a fine tooth comb, trying to find anything and everything that they do not like. I mean, you think about Denny Hamlin in, in a tiny piece of tape underneath the vinyl wrap. I, I mean, NASCAR must be going through these cars. So uh, just really methodically to find something like that. So I do think NASCAR, they're trying to make this an even playing field for everybody. I mean, that's the whole idea behind this next gen car. And I think they're trying, trying to adhere to that and get these teams to just follow the rules. So. Somebody so are we that. expecting a, a Kyle Larson penalty then too, since his car had to go to R and D this week, another Hendrick penalty. What do you think? His car is going to R and D. I think his car is going more just so they can analyze the crash and they could be like see... you have a piece of tape sir on the other side and that's uh... what i'm thinking <laughs> we know your roll cage ended up on the points. driver's side but there's a piece of tape yeah. <laughs> no i don't i i strictly think that that's there for for the accident so they can try to learn some more stuff about that um but how funny would that be though if if nascar takes it that's there what i'm saying to look just see how the cockpit handled uh you know handled it or held up in that massive wreck and then they find something on top of it that would just be so nascar right now nascar is going to get those 100 points one way or the other mm -hmm. even if 10 at a time they're going to get them and then the last piece of news from this past week was a a kind of a big deal a, a announcement on earth day what was that all about zach yeah so nascar made a huge announcement an announcement on earth day 
that it is going to pursue 100% renewable electricity at all of its facilities and tracks it owns, as well as developing a new sustainable racing fuel. Uh, the goal is to be carbon neutral by 2035. So it gives them essentially 12 years to make all of this happen. Uh, they talked about putting a bunch of charging stations at these tracks to encourage fans to drive EV vehicles to the track. Uh, we've mentioned on a previous podcast about how I think NASCAR eventually will be uh, racing EV. So basically no, no uh, ice engines. And it did not mention anything about that. But uh, again, with this announcement and with the where the world is going in regards to automobiles, I, I think that NASCAR eventually gets there, but uh, that will take some time. The weird thought, electric NASCAR cars. Just the way, way we're heading, man. I guess. Weird to think about now. One of our listeners, my uncle, Uncle Bob, went down to Talladega and spent a few days in the infield, camped out there, experienced the boulevard, and sent us a audio recording from Pit Road on race day. Hey, this piece right here is coming live from Talladega. Robert Schaefer and Jason Swagger taking the experience in. We throw this out to the boys that do the atop the pit box, Josh, Justin, and Zach. Guys, I tell you what, I wish you could be down here. This has been one incredible NASCAR experience. Been to a lot of tracks and a lot of races, and Daladega right now tops it all off. So um, we're doing this live for you guys. We understand somebody out there on your team is a real big Austin Dillon fan. So right now we're shooting this in front of his pit box. Um, Josh, I think it might be for you that we're doing this for. No, it's an incredible experience. Now I want to kick it over to Jason. He's got a few things he'd like to say too. Good afternoon or whatever time of day it is where you're hearing this podcast. I'm Jason Swag recording live on location at the infield Talladega Super Speedway. What a wonderful weekend we've experienced. Beautiful weather, already some awesome racing, and an infield concert by Cole Swindell. Had some wonderful food, and uh, we've enjoyed the infield festivities. We were on this final leg of this, of this trip today, and uh, we were preparing for this cup race. I'd like to give a quick shout out to the Sandwich Man's Sports Memorabilia Company. It's owned by a veteran uh, who I who I met here last year and is an awesome guy. And we're headed currently to the uh, well, we were currently out on the pit road, and uh, like to say hello to our our fellow West Virginian and uh, friend Corey Coppolo, who is the gas man for the number 14 Stuart Haas machine driven by Chase Briscoe who will be uh, starting fourth today. Thank you for letting us be a part of this podcast and here's hoping for a good race and even better day for my fantasy team. Okay guys there you have it it's been a great time uh, as Jason said we got to meet Corey who's a gas man he's a pretty neat guy um, it's just unreal down here. Of course, the crowd's starting to fill in. We're looking at the stands. Went down and uh, signed our autograph on the start-finish line. Um, and I guess now what we're going to do is we're going to finish uh, walking through the pits here and uh, get ready for driver introductions and the big uh, 
start of the race. <laughs> Guys, we're having such a great time. We lose, lose where we're at and what we're doing. So um, anyway... Uh, listen to you guys. Uh, we enjoy listening to you, and uh, we look uh, we look forward to being a small part of uh, this week's podcast. T- take care, guys. Talk to you soon. So now let's turn our attention to this weekend's race at Talladega Speedway. Zach, what did you think of the race? Did you watch it live, first of all, or did you tape it? I rarely watch races live. You know that, man. So I, I know. I, I just didn't it. know if this was a big one or if this one. No. Okay. Uh, no, I I don't know if I'll be able to watch much live, um, in all honesty. But uh, I was able to watch it last night. Uh, I might have missed some of the nuances that you guys always pick up when you watch it live. But uh, I personally thought it was more, to me, it was more entertaining than, than I anticipated. I figured that the lines would become single file they just ride around and and essentially bide their time until the end of the stage, uh, which I guess they kind of did that. But instead of one single file line, it was, you know, two. Uh, and then you listen to some drivers interview interviews at the uh, the end of the race. And it, it, it was to me a, just a typical Talladega race. I, I thought it was better than it has been in the past from the standpoint of the single file versus two or double wide lanes. But in the end, it basically was, was the same result. This is another race that I just goes to, or just emphasizes the point that these races should be shorter. There's, I mean, that race could have been a hundred laps and we would have had the same exact excitement. There's no tire fall off. There was really no fuel pit strategies i mean everyone had to you know uh come in for fuel each stage i mean overall uh it it just wasn't that exciting obviously the crashes at the end gets people attentions and that's what people want to see but um yeah it's not wasn't wasn't the best race that i or wasn't what i kind of expected from from talladega yeah so like i said i thought it was going to be single file it wasn't, it was, it was double, double, you know, too wide, but it was the same boring type racing in Talladega. What I was really surprised with is that typically in years past, before this next gen car, drivers would fall back to the back on purpose to avoid the wrecks. And when they decided to drop the hammer and go, they could make their, their way up to the front within five, 10 laps. And for whatever reason, you couldn't do that yesterday. Yeah, there were some guys that that were able to kind of pick pick and choose their way up uh, through the field, but majority of the drivers that went to the back were not able to get themselves up to the. And, and I was quite surprised by that, and so that's why after race was over, I'm like, God, that kind of was a sucky Talladega. Yeah, it was it seemed more exciting because it wasn't single file. But in the end, it was the exact same thing. And actually, it might have been worse because, like, you could not get through the field if you were in the back of the pack, which is really not like Daytona or Talladega. And I think it has something to do with this car, uh, which is really unfortunate because from my NASCAR viewership and love of NASCAR, NASCAR product wise is going the exact opposite direction of what got me. Uh, to fall in love with NASCAR to start with. So uh, 
unfortunate and, and hopefully they can get this figured out. Did you happen to watch the Xfinity race on Saturday? Who it, oh yeah, I watched uh I watched bits and bits and pieces of it, but I was not able to see the end. Uh, I'm glad that Jed Burton won because I, I love his story and, and driving for an underdog team with Jordan Anderson. I loved, loved how that race ended. But um, I think so that the racing, racing from what I read was a lot better than what NASCAR's was yesterday. So it was by far more entertaining than the Cup Series uh, race. There was, you know, you had the three wide, you had people passing and making moves and blocking. And it was it's what I envision somebody like yourself when they think of good races and, and what NASCAR cup used to be. That's what I saw when I saw Xfin with that race on the, uh, the Xfinity race. Um, I wish that that would have translated to, to the cup race on Sunday. It didn't, it, they just kind of rode around. I think Kyle Busch called it a 200 lap parade lap. And that's basically what it was. And then everyone shot at the end and, and kind of pushed, make the race shorter. I mean, I don't know why it needs to be, that that long but yeah the xfinity race was i think was was better which take it for what it's worth well and and that's how nascar used to be in its heyday at talladega and daytona and that's what got me to fall in love with those two racetracks dale watching dale jr and tony stewart at those tracks back in the day was a sight to be seen those guys were so good at getting up even when they were in the back of the pack, finding their themselves and their way up to the front in a very short amount of time was so much fun to watch. And it, it's just not the same anymore, which is really unfortunate because Talladega and, that, and Daytona are probably two of the most exciting race races on the schedule or racetracks on the schedule that gets fans to the tracks and, and get their, gets their eyes on the TV. So, so, Stage one was won by Elliott, which was a result really of, of two accidents. One was Chase Briscoe when the when the Fords were pitting, and then um who's the other one? Tyler Reddick Tyler when Reddick, the Toyotas yeah. when the Toyotas were pitting really gave enough room for, for the Chevys to to take that. And it was nice to see Elliott win a stage, uh at, you know, being back second race. Um stage two was won by uh, Eric Almarola, who made a great move at the end to 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 take that stage um, away from Chase Elliott. Think, was it Chase Elliott? Yep, he was he was going to be the first. I think they said he was going to be the first yeah. driver to sweep the first two stages at at Talladega. That was a, a very good move from from Eric Almarola. Um, and then your winner is Kyle Busch, who really we didn't talk about. They didn't talk about him at all all during the race and he just kind of shows up at the end and <laughs> and ends up leading at, at the at the finish what'd you think of your boy Kyle Busch winning win another race I, I was pumped to see him win that race he's had some pretty bad luck at Talladega and he hasn't won there in a long time so to see RCR win at another super speedway race racetrack was pretty fun to see and the let's let's go back here so in stage three what were your thoughts on i can't remember if it was the first overtime restart or if it's the caution that put the race into overtime one with the move chastain put on noah gregson heading into turn one 
Do you think it was too early, too aggressive, too soon, or were you fine with the move he made? So I was fine with the move that he made. I don't, I mean, he's an aggressive driver. He's going to, he felt the time was right. I know the other people, there's kind of, I, I don't know. It, it From my point of view, when I watched it, I looked at it and said, okay, that was a, a tough move that, that a racing move that just didn't work out. Um, I know some people, uh, I don't know if, if you fall into the camp, but, you know, blame Ross Chastain. I think it's kind of easy to do with these, you know, these days is, you know, there's a wreck and just blame Ross. But I don't think, in my view, that it was anything but a racing move. So, so there's a difference between a racing move and do you think it was too aggressive too soon or were you fine with the timing aspect? I mean, typically you wait, you know, you typically make those moves closer to the end of the race, but I don't know. I, I have a hard time with these guys that are just running racing around and staying in their lanes for, for 200 and some laps. I think at some point you may get impatient and maybe he did get impatient and, and made that move too soon, but I don't know. I don't, I'm not one to judge a race car driver on their, on their move. Um, because I, I don't know any better. Yeah. It, the reason why I asked it, it was a hotly, hotly contested question out there on social media. So where do you, and how do you, how do you view? Yes. Or no? So again, I've watched super speedway racing for quite a long time. Me personally, I thought he made the move way too early. Typically at Daytona, uh, or Talladega, you do not want to be the leader coming to the white flag because the leader at the white flag rarely ever wins these races. Now he's an aggressive driver. I get all that. I thought the move was too soon. He easily could have waited uh, until at least the white flag, but maybe, maybe he didn't trust Noah leading that, that, that pack or that line. And maybe he thought the he's only way, yeah, the, but he's he's had success at super speedways in the Xfinity series. So I, I'm just trying to think. The only thing I can think of is he thought his best chance to win that race was to to have Gregson out of the way and hopefully him can up there close enough to control the pack or or uh I I guess put himself in a better chance to win coming to the white flag, either leading or be on the outside. But uh, when he made that move, I was just like, holy cow, man. Like, they're barely into turn one, and he's already dumping Gregson, trying to get ahead of him, which, again, I thought it was too soon, but what do I know? So what move in particular do you think was too early, Zach? What he did to, to Gregson. He could have just stood, stayed be, be, behind Gregson, bump drafted, got down the straightaway, and, it, and tried to get to the white flag to see how it went. Uh, but if you watch the replay, I mean, as soon as they got into turn one, he put his car in like an 18 inch window and said, I'm coming through and forced his way through it. And so again, it, maybe, it's maybe he it's didn't trust Grayson leading of, that line. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It's the move of making it three wide when there may not have been room for three wide. And that, that I understand there was a run on Grayson and, it came from further back than Chastain. Larson was pushing and Gregson got loose and moved up the track. And as soon as he did, Chastain took a window that that could be up for debate, but I don't think that's a timing situation. I think they had a run and whether there's 20 laps to go or two laps to go, Gregson's getting bumped out of the way and Chastain either needs to 
make a move and go for that window or he's going to get run over from the people behind him. So I felt like he Gregson's moving up. Is he going to keep moving up? And he takes that window and really the wreck didn't happen until Gregson pushed everyone down. (laughs) And that inside lane was under the yellow line because Gregson's pushing people down and then the wreck happened. Yeah. I don't, I don't see it that way, but tomato, tomato, whatever you want, man. Uh, Yes. Again, Chastain is an aggressive driver, but I watching as many super speedway races as I have, you do not want to be leading come to coming to the white flag. Typically that dooms, that is not good. And so to make the move he did going into the first turn in the first lap of overtime or, or to put that race in overtime, I can't remember if it was already in overtime or not, but I, I was surprised by it. But again, maybe he thought that was his best chance to win and, and he didn't trust Gregson leading that pack. I mean, I have no idea. What did you think about the uh, Blaney Bubba Wallace incident at the end of the race? Well, so Wallace's car was extremely loose the entire race. It was fast, but it was extremely loose. Him and Ty Gibbs both had very, very uh, unsettling cars. They were fast, but just really, really loose. And so uh, when he threw the first block, I'm like, okay, that's normal. Then he threw the second block and I'm like, okay, like Blaney seems to be getting pretty aggressive here. And then when Blaney ducked his nose out again for the third time and Wallace came up uh, very aggressively to essentially block, um, that's that's super speedway racing at it. I mean, at its nutshell or in its nutshell, uh, I thought it it was an aggressive block by Wallace's part and Blaney. uh, I don't think he did anything wrong. I don't think Wallace did anything wrong either. It's just super speedway racing and the box these guys are put in. So unfortunately it took out a lot of good cars and, and uh, through the caution where the the race ended in caution. But uh, I think that is a prototypical type end of race wreck at these super speedways anymore yeah i agree it was hard racing and you could kind of see it coming as as wallace got up the track he he, you could see he was loose and and it was almost inevitable i Um, thought one of the most exciting pieces of this race uh was the fuel situation during the overtimes (laughs) Ty get, I mean, there was so many drivers that were running low or short on fuel. So you had Hamlin, Harvick, and a couple other guys. They had to pit because they knew they weren't going to make it. So then they started at the rear. You had some teams gamble, such as Ty Gibbs and Eric Amarola. Well, Ty Gibbs ran out of gas coming to the green flag of overtime. He just ducked down to the bottom. Eric Amarola ran out of gas or had tire issues or something uh, going into one of the corners. So he was done. And then what I think is the greatest story and kind of gets lost with this race is Kyle Bush was told to pit (laughs) coming to, or, or during that second overtime and whether it was too late or not, I don't know the exact story, but I do know that he stayed out. He ended up winning he did not have enough gas to do a burnout, so that's how close he was on fuel. But during the uh, post-race interview, he basically said, 
Uh, yes, I was called to pit road, but I think it was too late based on where he was on the track. And even if he was uh, able to head to pit road, he was not going to do it. He was going to overrule his crew chief because he already has a win in the bank and you might as well go uh, go for broke and, and chance it there, which I completely agree in his situation. Uh, it worked out well, so he looks smart, but it also could have turned out pretty bad. Uh, but Kyle Busch with his second win of the year in his first 10 races, who would have thought his season would have started off this hot? We uh, we talked about in our preview episode that this season could go one of two ways, and it was going to be he gets he's riding a good car, he's a great driver, he's going to win races, or he's going to have a rough start and maybe get in his own head and and press and and kind of put more pressure on him. Well, I think we can answer that. He is he looks comfortable, he looks like he's having fun again. You know, you see he put out a uh, a 420 video yep. that I cracked up at. Uh, he just seems like a different person compared to last year. His interviews, obviously winning changes that. And, and you know, we wouldn't know if he would have the same attitude if he wasn't winning, but he is winning. He's running well, and he's he's racking up wins and having a good time doing it. You know what they say, Josh, winning cures all. Uh, but I do think this is a different Kyle Bush. And I think, I, again, this goes back to him not having a contract situation hanging above his head or a truck team that he's got to figure out what I'm going to do with. I think the amount of pressure he was under from the loss of sponsorship, trying to find a new team was way higher and more stressful than he let on and any of us can even understand or fathom. So knowing he's got a new home, knowing he's in fast cars, knowing that entire situation is behind him. He's in the, I still think he's in the prime of his career and he is a top five talent in NASCAR. So I think the sky's the limit for Kyle Busch. And I, as of right now, he, he is a legit title contender and threat in 2023. You think uh, JGR is missing him right now? Yeah, because I got a fun stat for you. Uh, Kyle Busch, with his two wins, is more or has more wins than all of JGR combined at this point, which I think is just uh, pretty funny when you look at the whole grand scheme of things. Most last, so stage one was Elliott, stage two was Almirola, winner was Kyle Busch, and <laughs> Ryan Blaney gets most laps led. Does not get himself a win, though, unfortunately. Sorry, Nort. You know what they say about second place? First, First loser. loser. Yeah. <laughs> hey, at least he's showing, you know, he can finish these things off rather than making mistakes and wreck and, and cost himself a chance at a win. He looks strong. So maybe this is a sign of things to come for you. Looking at Jeff Gluck's poll. 66% of fans said, yes, it was a good race compared to last spring race of 86%. This, uh, I'd say this is lower than I anticipated. I figured it would be somewhere in the seventies, but, uh, again, it just wasn't a very entertaining race for the most part until the, uh, end of it, which is usually how these super speedway races play out anymore. 
yeah, that that kind of feels. You think that the poll would have been different if we didn't have a big wreck at the end? If it was just a, a you know, just a standard two by two race, and I think it'd be way worse, don't you? Yeah, I mean, it would have to be right. Yeah, probably forty, fifty percent, maybe. I mean, it it would not have been good. Yeah. So the, obviously that big wreck, big wreck saved them, but um, I still don't even think with that it was was still I I voted no, so I it came across my timeline I voted no, but um, so yeah, just a just an okay. This kind of falls under that perfectly acceptable race. Thanks, thanks Jordan. <laughs> it's his favorite thing. All right, now we go to our fantasy recap with our commissioner. All right, guys, looking at Talladega Fantasy Stats, you have a low score of 15 points by Heritage. That's H-E-R-I-T-A-9-E at BW9 on Twitter. That is an all-time low for Talladega. High score of 152 points by Andrew Dickel and an average score of 88 points, which falls in between our lowest and highest average scores. Your top 10, you've got Tammy Colby in 10th place. 9th is R2D2. 8th is Nailed It at J Lee Stewart underscore 88 on Twitter. 7th is Melly85. 6th, I Hate NASCAR. NASCAR. IHA8 NSCR at Tracy in 555737395. 5th place, yours truly at Broken Toe Link. 4th is Adam Studer number 2. 3rd is Ron Hendrickson. Second, Robert Riggs, number two, and we'll skip announcing our first place position. Just kidding, Zach. Zach Dick, number three, at ZJD88, is back in first place. He now has led four weeks in our fantasy stats. Your top ten rookies Thank at you. Talladega. Thank you. You want to give a speech? I'll save that for when I uh, win it all at the end of the year. Top 10 rookies after Talladega. 10th is Brandon Watson in 20th place. 9th, R. Helms, number one in P19. Nantasy Fastcar in P17, tied with Heritage in P17. 6th, better than second, number two in P15. That's at JoJo Wagers and our friends from D's Lugnuts. 5th is Caleb Nicholson in P11. 4th, Nailed It in P8. 3rd, Melly85 in P7. 2nd, Ron Hendrickson in P3. And your top rookie after Talladega is Robert Riggs, number two, in second place. Looking at your biggest risers after Talladega, the Rowdy Watermelons, at average dad of two on Twitter, rose 71 spots from P150 to P79. Dan Grable, 71 spots from P132 to P61. And third, we've heard from him a lot, Heritage, up 66 spots from P83 to P17. Your biggest fallers after Talladega. First, Ralph's Racing, down 73 spots from P25 to P98. And tied for your biggest drop is Bob Klein and Diaz, number one, dropped 70 spots from P25 to P95. And that is your fantasy recap after Talladega. All right. Let's look ahead to this weekend's race at the Dover Motor Speedway in Dover, Delaware. It is the Worth 400. All right. So your your four Zach's facts of the night. 
What? <laughs> you know. Okay. Your four Zach's track facts of the night. Fact number one, the Dover was built in 1969 out of asphalt, and the first NASCAR driver to win at Dover was none other than Richard Petty. Track fact number two, Dover was repaved in 1995 and is now all concrete. It is one of three tracks in NASCAR that is all concrete. Track fact number three. Dover is nicknamed the Monster Mile due to the strain on the cars and drivers with its high banks and high G-forces. Uh, usually a mistake at this track does collect a decent number of cars, so pay attention to that this weekend. And your last track fact of the night, Dover has one of the coolest trophies in NASCAR. It is a uh, monster it's gray. Looks almost like a uh, transformer type guy, but he uh, holds the winning car. It's a die cast car. Whoever wins the race, so say uh, Martin Truex Jr. wins this this weekend, uh, it'll be his die cast car in the trophy, and that's what they get to take home. So uh, it is one of the cooler trophies in NASCAR, and uh, we're going to start talking about some some of the cooler trophies here this year, and that is one of them here at Dover in regards to the race expectations. Uh, I kind of pointed out a little bit ago, but there is no room for air at this track from a driver's standpoint. Uh, it's a really fast track that does allow drivers to showcase their talents uh, from a fan standpoint. To me, it's just an okay race to watch depending on the number of cautions. Uh, restarts are probably the most exciting uh, at this track as they can fan fan out two and three wide going into turn one. Uh, so we will see how this weekend's race goes. In regards to your driver stats, the top five from last year, uh, as they only race at Dover once a year now, uh, Chase Elliott won uh, the spring race or the one race last year. Uh, Stenhouse finished second. Chastain finished third. Christopher Bell finished fourth. And... Alex Bowman rounded out the top five. All right. Now we get to move to picks. So to recap for last week, uh, I had Chris Busher, Zach, you had Brad Keselowski, and Norton had Bubba Wallace. So somehow Chris Busher pulled out the win for me uh, when it was, it was Bubba Wallace all day. And then Brad K was even ahead of him before that last crash. And then he got taken out with, with Bubba. So, uh, you know, I got to see both of your picks get knocked out. Plus Ryan Blaney, kind of a, a bummer day for you, Nort. Remember when you were so angry that Joey Logano took our win last week and didn't deserve it? Yes. It happened again. I had the guy <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. I get my fifth pick right of the year. Norton, you are in third and Zach, you're no. Why are you looking at me? Norton Nor well, has math. three. I'm in, second. I'm in I'm in last. Oh, what did I say? Third. You said I'm in third. Oh, sorry. You have three right. You have three yes. right. And then and Zach has two right and is in last place. So uh we'll be looking for Zach to spin that wheel here a couple weeks. All right. Okay. I I'm I, I get pick one, right? You do, and then me and then right. Nort. 
Okay, I'm I'm making my pick and signing off because it is past my bedtime. I am picking your boy Chase Elliott to win the race and get himself into the playoffs. That's a good pick. That's who I was going to take. I'm going to go with uh, Joey Logano. I'm not prepared for this at all. This is we. I, I'm getting to the point on, now Zach. where I. I need to pick. I, I need to pick a second driver. Like I've already picked all these guys. Uh, I'm going to take Ross Chastain. Have you have you taken him already this year? I have not. That's why I'm going with him. Okay, that's a solid pick, Ross Chastain. All right, sounds good, fellas. All right, enjoy the rest of your evening, and uh, we will talk to you next week. Night, guys. See ya. The Atop the Pit Box podcast is supported by ParadiseExecutiveProperties.com. Now is a great time to book a trip to the Lake of the Ozarks, and Paradise Executive Properties has you covered. They have several modern and fully furnished homes that sleep up to 19 people, so bring your friends and family down to create a memory that will last a lifetime. For more information or to book your reservation today, visit ParadiseExecutiveProperties.com. Stop!